Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Woohoo! All right. Welcome, everybody. <clears throat> you go and welcome Neo to both the Monday night call and likewise our people uh, to your special Monday call, and we really appreciate being able to get together. All right. Uh, well, tonight I had mentioned to Jack a while ago uh, that right now Jack is uh, help, helping me and participating as my co-host on a class right now that I've been conducting since February, <clears throat> which is a class in uh, mastery of redemption. <clears throat> and <clears throat> this is the culmination of my life's work. I've been studying <clears throat> redemption in its infancy starting 21 years ago. Now I'm in my 22nd year. <clears throat> which began with the passing to me of a book which was, well, at the time quite rudimentary uh, in by today's standards, <clears throat> but nevertheless was the beginning. And from that time, I studied under uh, any of you who have been around the movement long enough, you know uh, a gentleman by the name of Rice McLeod, who is... Uh, who was a teacher in Texas, very knowledgeable and wiser, a wise older gentleman. <clears throat> From there, uh, my teachings uh, kind of sprung out, and I've studied under Winston. Uh, Gene Keating, actually, I studied with him for a year one-on-one -on -one while he lived with me and in close proximity to me. Uh, Jack and I have studied for some time together and bounced uh, thoughts and ideas. How long would you say? About seven or eight years now, Jack? Uh, yeah, I think we've gone at least about that amount of time, and it's been a very beneficial uh, uh, relationship. I know you have been teaching me many things and vice versa. So. Exactly. And so as uh, Jack and I have... Uh, come up with new concepts, ideas, or technologies, methodologies, uh, uh, in ways to uh, handle issues, whether it be criminal or civil. We've had some <clears throat> conversations that have gone back, like I say, going about eight years now. And <clears throat> I've also studied under... Uh, Several other people, which you may or may not know, uh, a guy out of Canada named Dan. My, his name is escaping me right now, his last name. Very interesting fellow. Uh, some, of, some of the people I see are uh, British Columbia and Southern Alberta. Probably know who I'm talking about. And if you've studied extensively for any length of time, <clears throat> 
you know uh, you know who I'm talking about, although, like I said, his last name escapes me. <clears throat> and <laughs> I have in my computer a folder <clears throat> that I named National Treasure Documents. And any of you who've seen the movie with Nicolas Cage, or the movies, it's two, two or three now, <clears throat> where he's been tracing down these treasures. One of them was written on the back of one of the original uh, copies of the Constitution, a map leading to this immense treasure of gold and, and other things. <clears throat> so it's really been my life's work, and, and along the way, Gene Keating and I went to a... Some of y'all might find this odd, but I found it odd, and I wasn't looking for her. And I went to a, <clears throat> I went to a, a shop together. Gene and I said, "Hey, we need to go get some, you know, some incense and some different spiritual stuff." And there was this one spiritual shop close to where we were living. And when we went there, this lady came up, and she was very intriguing. And she said she did something called automatic writing. And I was like, "What is that?" So anyway, long story short, she told me that I was going to find the answer. The redemption. And she was right. And I have. And as I've been going along in the, uh, with this, and Jack's been participating in my class, I've been sharing with him things that I haven't been sharing with others in the class as to what we're doing, where we're going, and what our ultimate goal is. And I like to call it the promised land, right out of Scripture. <clears throat> I relate a lot of what I'm doing to Scripture because... <clears throat> There is no way to understand what's happening in our uh, political-slash-governmental arena of life without understanding certain concepts in Scripture. <clears throat> and I'll tell you exactly what I mean by that. Since my first call on Jack's class, Jack's excuse me, in Jack's class back in late October of last year, <clears throat> I told everybody, the problem with the movement is, is that almost everyone has no idea of who and what they are, much less what their rights are or where their rights come from or originate from. <clears throat> well, now, let me expand on that for just a moment. <clears throat> you see, when we go back to the Garden of Eden, I'll just give you like a real short synopsis. <clears throat> At the beginning, it says Adam and Eve walked and talked with God. So we know there was a oneness there. There was a special type of communion going on between Adam and Eve and the Lord. And when they ate of the fruit of the tree which God commanded them not to eat from, it says their eyes were opened. 
to what? It says their eyes were open and they were able to see good and evil. <clears throat> now in contrast to that, there was this oneness they were living in. And when they ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in came duality. So what happened is, what we're looking at is a contrast here between oneness where everything is both seen and experienced as being one, and duality, where there are differences. There's up and down, left, right, backwards, forwards, and so on and so on and so on. <clears throat> and the minute that duality entered in, fear entered in. Because the next thing we see that happens is, it says, the Lord comes walking through the, through the garden in the cool of the day, and where were Adam and Eve? They were hiding. <clears throat> and so he calls out and says, where are y'all? And they said, well, we're hiding. He says, why are you hiding? He, they said, well, because we heard you coming and we're naked, so we're, and we're ashamed, so we're afraid. We hid. It's the first time fear is ever mentioned. <clears throat> What happened in this story is <clears throat> Adam and Eve became aware of the body. They were not aware of the body as being who and what they were prior to that. It says so. It says, and they walked in the garden and they were naked, but they were not ashamed. Why? Because they had no awareness of the body as having anything to do with their identity. And, the, and, and now I've gotten to the core of what I'm talking about, <clears throat> identity. All of what's going on is about identity, every bit of it. <clears throat> you see, exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden is what's been perpetrated on the people both of Canada United States, all of Latin America, Australia, England, all of Europe, and almost all the world. <clears throat> Just as with the loss of the knowledge of self, that's with a capital S, okay, which is spirit. With the loss of the knowledge of spirit, <clears throat> came the lower knowledge or what's called body consciousness, awareness of the body, identity with the body. <clears throat> so what these, what these governments are doing is the same exact thing. It's done in the exact... They're doing, and Jack's been saying this for 20 plus years, for as long as I've been listening to his tape. He says everything they do is right. It's in, it's in perfect alignment with the truth, and it's in perfect alignment with wisdom and knowledge, and what we're doing is we're over here whining and complaining, bitching and moaning, <clears throat> because we don't understand what's going on, and we don't know who and what we are. After tonight, that will no longer be true. <clears throat> 
Okay. So now what they've done is, remember, identity is at the top of this thing. So if you have something and you want to write it down, identity. Okay, there's, there's the higher identity and there's the lower identity. <clears throat> the higher identity is that we're spirit. <clears throat> and all of the saints, all of the avatars, all of the, of the enlightened masters that have walked the face of the earth have all told us that we are spirit. <clears throat> but we've lost our way. And in the midst of losing our way, we've completely fallen. That's what the fall is. The fall of man that it talks in the, in the Bible is the loss of the awareness of our true self. And now everyone believes through default that we are this individual. We are this person. We are this body who has this life with a certain birth date and a certain parents and we grew up in a certain place and we've had all these experiences and so on and so on. <clears throat> now on the other side of the equation, what the government's done is the same thing. <clears throat> When we were born as a baby, we were born into this world with all of our natural rights enumerated and guaranteed in the Constitution. <clears throat> and our parents, through lack of knowledge, signed a document which then created an alter identity, same thing that happened in the Garden of Eden. An alter identity suddenly became, became a, you know, created. Because, see, to survive, to exist, we have to have a center. And when we lost the center of spirit... Well, it shows you right there. Adam and Eve said, well, oh, oh, and they, by default, the closest next thing was the body. And so they appropriated the body as self. <clears throat> We've all appropriated the identity of the all caps name, and we've taken it on as our identity. We've overlaid it on top of the truth. This is all we do all day long. <clears throat> What's going on in the world is, Christ said it, the kingdom of heaven's in your midst. What he was saying is this world is a heaven. It's not the ultimate heaven, but it is a heaven. We don't see it that way, because we superimpose our thoughts, like, like when you put on prescription glasses, we superimpose our thoughts, our concepts, our ideas, our notions of how things are, and we project them out there onto the world. But I digress. <clears throat> so what we've done is... <clears throat> We've taken on this identity. 
Now, what was the purpose of the creation identity? What was the origin of the creation of, ident of this identity? And why was it created? <clears throat> well, many of you know the history, or at least some of the history on this. <clears throat> at least in the United States, it began uh, in 1921, well, probably before that, but for sure in 1921, the United States took out a loan from the Rothschilds family or the bankers of England and Europe. And in 1933, that loan became due. And so at the beginning of Roosevelt's administration, a lot of things were going on. A lot of people had been playing in the stock market, and and uh, J.P. Morgan Chase caused a. A lot of people were playing options in the market, and J.P. Morgan caused a huge panic. And a lot of people who were playing the market, their uh, bets, because that's really what the stock market is—it's legalized gambling. Their options. Uh, didn't pan out, they got called, and they got margin calls from their stockbrokers, and so they rushed to the bank to pull their money out to cover their margin calls, but it was so many people that the banks, you know, as you know, they operate on fractional reserve banking, so they don't have all that cash. If enough people go into the bank to call uh, or to pull cash out, that's it. And so that's what happened. And so Roosevelt had to issue an emergency banking holiday, an emergency order, <clears throat> where he declared all the banks closed. <clears throat> and I've actually pulled the transcripts from both the Senate and the Congress floor where they were talking about what's transpired with this uh, well, starting from 1913, because actually that's when it really started, was with the implementation of the Federal Reserve Act, <clears throat> which actually gave permission to the bankers, just as it did in the Second Bank of, Con uh, of the United States. It gave the bankers the authority to create money from nothing. And, and they tell you this in their three publications, which I have copies, original copies of all three. Modern money mechanics says when they when they extend a loan in a bank they create the money out of thin air. Uh, on pages 19 uh, on both publications, which are I bet you thought and Two Faces of Debt, which are both Federal Reserve Bank publications, they say the same thing. <clears throat> so essentially, well, and the other thing they did was is they took away ownership. So they started using this name, this all capital letters name. Everything started getting titled in that name. And they're doing the same thing in all of North America, Mexico, all of Latin America, Europe, Australia, and just about everywhere. What is the purpose of titling something in, 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 in a fictitious name? Well, the purpose of that is, is because you never own anything. Now, the other thing that happened was he took gold and, and made it illegal. Yet everyone had to turn in all their gold, gold bullion, gold coin, and gold certificates. 
Why? Because the people owned what's called alloidal title at that time. That's, that's title. That's true title. That's title to the land, the dirt, and everything under the dirt, and everything on the land. And they owned it in their own names, their real, true Christian names. <clears throat> okay? So when they took money out, they took the ability for the people to be able to give lawful consideration so that this type of alloidal title could pass. And we went back. See, if you go look up alloidal, you'll notice an antonym or the opposite of alloidal is feudal. And if you go back and you look in history, feudal title is what has reigned in England <clears throat> since long time. <laughs> and if you look in Black's Law Dictionary, first edition, this was before they started changing the meanings of things, you will see under uh, real estate, I believe it is, it will tell you that if you don't understand feudal law, you cannot understand real estate law in the United States or any of the other countries that I've already mentioned goes along with that. Everything's under feudal law. And the feudal law, <clears throat> only a handful, the nobles, the blue bloods, own. So that's the king, then there's barons, then under them are the knights, and that's it, baby. Okay? And the rest are serfs. They're tenants. And that's what they've done. They've revert, they've they have reverted everybody back to tenants. <clears throat> now, another thing that happened in 1933 was they, uh, meaning the government, the, the government consolidated all power of all three branches of government under the executive branch. How do we know that? You ever walk into a courtroom? What flag do you see on in the courtroom? <clears throat> you see a battle flag in the United States and in all these other states. These are battle flags. They're flags of war. What's another name for the all capital letters name? Nome de Guerre, which means war name <clears throat> the courts are court are military courts we all co we also can see that because if you look in the uh US army field manual 840-10 or 20 it is <clears throat> you will see that it denotes a flag with yellow fringe around all three borders is a military flag. And then on the top of these, you'll see a Roman eagle. It's the same eagle that the Roman army, they have a guy up front who carries the eagle on a pole, <clears throat> just like the pole that it's on in the courtroom. That's Roman army. All, all we've done is reverted back to the Roman Empire. <clears throat> and we're under Roman civil law. 
And under Roman civil law, the people have no rights. They only have privileges. And a bunch of people have probably heard before, you know, people going into a court and they start claiming constitutional rights, constitutional rights. And the judge will tell them the Constitution does not apply in this courtroom. Anybody know why? I'll tell you why. I was trying to unmute everyone, but for some reason, uh, this isn't muting. Okay. I will tell you why. The reason is that in 1933, with the change of just one phrase, President Roosevelt made all the U.S. citizens enemies of the United States. And that is why all the courts had to revert to military courts. Because there are military courts of court-martial where enemies of the United States are being held on trial for violations of statutes. And again, that's denoted by the flag is giving you notice when you walk in there of the type of courtroom that they're operating in. So this brings us to a very uh, interesting question. And everybody who's ever been in these courts, even when you're right, you still don't have any remedy. 99.9% of the people, or maybe a little less, never get a remedy from these courts because they're coming in as an enemy. And enemies have no, they can't claim constitutional, you know, can you imagine a Japanese guy, man or woman, or, or a German man or woman coming in to a United States court in the middle of World War II and claiming rights in the courts? <laughs> That's a joke. It's the same thing of what's taking place right now. <clears throat> Under the present way that they are uh, operating, the people have coming into the at-law courts and that's what they're called at law. They're, that's the military court. That's the public side of the court. <clears throat> You're coming in under a nom de guerre, the all caps name, and it's war. It's war, plain and simple. <clears throat> and this is the way it's all set up. However, <clears throat> The de jure republic governments still exist. There's an old maxim of law which tells me they still exist. And that maxim is fiction can arise from the law. Okay? We all know that's true. We when we start a LLC or a corporation, where do we go? We go to the we go to a, the law. We go to the Secretary of State, and he creates a fiction. 
And he has he has two hats. He has a fiction hat where he's operating in the de facto government, which is the democracy military run government. And he has another hat which he operates in the de jure republic. <clears throat> but law cannot I mean, so the second part of that maxim is, but law cannot arise from a fiction. So let me repeat it. Fiction can arise from a, the law, but law cannot arise from a fiction. <clears throat> what does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. <clears throat> what it means, simply stated, is these fictional governments can never create a law that applies to one of the people. <clears throat> There's a thing called parity, okay? meaning level playing field. On a level playing field, can you ever damage something that doesn't really exist? No. What is, what is a corporation? If you, if you order, just like a minute ago, I said, if you order a, if you purchase a corporation from the Secretary of State, what do they send you? They send you a pile of papers, don't they? Okay. Jack, are you hearing me okay? We are. Okay, Doing good. well, Neil. Go for it. Okay. They send you a stack of papers. <clears throat> what is that? Well, that's a fictional entity, but it's considered a U.S. person under the 14th Amendment. <clears throat> well, that's all any of the governments are operating in today with respect to the public. <clears throat> So now tell me how if you make a rolling stop through a stop sign and you don't hit anyone else's car, you don't damage anyone's property, how in the world did anyone get damaged? How did that happen? Okay. Well, the answer is it didn't. What's, what's going on <clears throat> is the governments have all convinced us that A, were the name, and B, that if we break one of their laws, we're somehow liable to pay uh, a debt, or our debt is created, and we have to pay them for doing so. Okay, <clears throat> this is where the trick or the sleight of hand comes in. <clears throat> this is where we've all been hoodwinked. <clears throat> Remember in The Wizard of Oz, <clears throat> Dorothy... And her companions, the straw man, the tin man, and the lion, all go 
to the Emerald City to meet with the Wizard of Oz so they can get a remedy from him. <clears throat> the remedy for the straw man was he wanted a, he wanted a brain. The tin man wanted a heart, and the lion wanted courage, and Dorothy wanted to get home. <clears throat> so they go there, and they make a contract with the wizard. They enter into a trust agreement, wherein the wizard says, if you bring me back the broom of the wicked witch, <clears throat> I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to grant you all your wishes. So encouraged by that, they face their fear and they go back to the castle of the Wicked Witch. And by luck and grace, Dorothy happens to throw water on the witch, which liquidates her. <laughs> and she takes the broom back to the wizard. <clears throat> and what does he do? He starts yelling, screaming. He had, there's this three-dimensional hologram of a head underneath what looks like an organ with these pipes, and smoke starts coming out, and fire starts coming out, and everything to scare them. <clears throat> And then, she, and then he scares the little dog and the lion, the wizard does, and Dorothy gets so mad, she starts letting him have it. <clears throat> and then something miraculous happens. Does anybody remember the name of the dog? It was Toto. In Spanish, that's Latin. In Spanish, it's called sounds just like it, todo, which is T-O-D-O, -O, and that means all or everything. What are they talking about? This guy didn't name the dog Toto for no reason. Toto is we the people. <clears throat> Who's the government? It says it right there. We the people in order to form a more perfect Union. <clears throat> he walks over to the curtain because he sees something, Toto that is, and he grabs it with his teeth and he pulls it back. <clears throat> and when he does, okay, I got everybody unmuted, okay. And I'll try to keep this unmuted because I will ask questions during, but if it gets loud, then I'll mute it back up again, okay? And as, uh, as he pulls back the curtain, a man is revealed behind the curtain. This is exactly, they're telling us what the, the, the guy that wrote this movie had the, in, had the inside info on what was going on. Okay, so somebody's got some loud squeaking in the background. If you know who you are, you can mute yourself out. Okay.
If someone's traveling in a car, if you know who you are, I mean, I'm, does anyone know how to mute on, I think it's star six, and you can mute yourself out? Okay, thank you. <clears throat> so, what they're, what the, the guy that wrote this and did this, wrote this book and that, and that did this movie had somebody telling them the inside scoop of what was going on. See, all of our rights were still there. Now, at the end of the day, <clears throat> did the wizard actually give them their remedies? Anyone? No, he didn't. The... Straw man got a diploma, not a brain. The tin man got a, a, a clock in the shape of a heart, and the lion got a medal. And he wasn't able to get Dorothy home because his balloon accidentally got released. <clears throat> so Belinda, who comes up in the in the bubble of the private, see she's in the private. And she's got a bubble that keeps her in the private. She comes up and she presents herself to Dorothy. And Dorothy explains her dilemma and says, hey, you know, this, the wizard accidentally, his balloon went off, and now, now I'm stuck here. Can you help me? <clears throat> and Belinda tells her, what I call the ultimate truth of the movie. Being. You've always had the power to go home. We all still, that power still exists, but it's in the private. And the problem is we have not known how to access the private, meaning the courts on the private side, until very recently. <clears throat> there are no remedies in the public because, again, the public courts only deal with enemies, and enemies have no rights. So Belinda tells her all you have to do is something very simple. Click your heel three times, and while you do that, say, I want to go home, I want to go home, I want to go home. That's it. Today, I submit to you all, my friends, <clears throat> while it's not quite that easy, <laughs> and I wish it were, but it's not. <clears throat> that freedom is not free. And if anyone has ever researched the price of freedom, you will see that it has come at a great, great price. <clears throat> Those men who put their autographs on the Declaration of Independence, almost all of them were hunted down like animals. 
And when they were found, not only were they murdered in cold blood, but their families, their wives, their offspring, and were murdered in cold blood and their fortunes stripped away. <clears throat> I was watching the movie The Unforgiven that just came to mind. And if you've ever seen the movie Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood, <clears throat> him and this young guy go to kill these men that had cut the face up of a lady. And the young guy was telling Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood's playing the part of a guy named William Money who's a notorious killer and he married a woman who brought grace into his life and he left all that behind and started farming. And anyway, he went on this venture to, to kill these guys that had cut this lady's face up. <clears throat> and they hunt the guy down and they catch him in the outhouse and the kid's been telling... Clint Eastwood all this time, you know, I've killed five men, I've killed five men. Well, when it comes down to killing this guy in the outhouse, he hesitates. Finally, pulls the trigger three times and he kills the guy. And later they meet up and he admits to Clint Eastwood he'd never killed anyone before and he's drinking real heavily and they're out. <clears throat> and he says, yeah, it's a hell of a thing killing a man. You take away everything he has and everything he'll ever have. That, my friends, is a hell of a statement. These men pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. Sacred is how they defined their honor. And almost all of them ended up giving all those things up or had them taken away from them. <clears throat> That's the price that men that we don't know will never know we've never met paid so that we could have an opportunity to live free. And believe me, the same kind of tyranny that is being that we're being subjected to today is the kind of tyranny that these men were being subjected to back then. <clears throat> and I submit to you all, we don't have to pay the price of our lives or our fortunes or the lives of those we love. A lot of people say, I want to be free, I want to be free. I want to be free. But freedom comes with a price, my friends. Freedom isn't free. Believe me, I know. I've spent the better part of my adult life studying this. And when I say the better part of my life, let me quantify that. <clears throat> I've been blessed to not have to work a nine-to-five since about 1999. And I've also been blessed financially to be able to have the time to dedicate a, a very 
good amount of my free time to studying this material. <clears throat> so while I say I've been studying this 21 years, to the to the one whoever's talking, please mute out. You're on the line live, and I have it unmuted. To, to those who have to work a nine to five, I would submit that on the conservative side, my 21 years is almost double of what someone who has to work a nine to five. <clears throat> And so combined with Jack's over 40 years of studying, together we've teamed up and we got the better part of a century <laughs> of research and knowledge and, uh, on this matter. <clears throat> and so when Jack tells you that uh, he's coming aboard as a, while he is my co-host, you know, a student also, <clears throat> That should tell you something, <laughs> okay? And Jack, uh, amongst, well, let me just say this. Jack is a very dear and beloved, highly uh, cherished friend of mine. <clears throat> and, um, you know, there's been times like in any other friendship where, you know, he says, hey, I think it's this way. And I say, no, I don't know. I think it's this way. And we've both been, now that we've gotten to where we're at now and we're, and we're on this path, we've kind of both realized this is the culmination, where we're at right now. And what I'm studying right now is the culmination of my life's work and his life's work. And he will tell you that we are on the train and this is going to the promised land. And I do not use those words lightly because... I will tell you there are many times when I've had to step back and say, you know what, I, I just, I, I, can't, I can't do it anymore because I would be studying something for a year, year and a half diligently only to get to the end and find out, oh, man, another, another dead end, another rabbit hole. And it would be so disconcerting, and a guy I know would laugh and make fun of me and say, ah, ha, 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 you know, God, you keep saying, you know, you think you found it and this and that and this. And, oh. When are you going to give up? And I said, I'll tell you when I'm going to give up, when the last breath goes out of my body. That's, that's when I'll give up if I haven't found it before then. <clears throat> Since I saw that lady who was a spiritual seer, she told me, I was going to find the answer. And I've always held that and believed that, and now I know it. None of our rights as people exist in the public. They can't, because the public only deals with enemies. What I'm teaching is a method whereby we go into the private we learn to access all of our rights and remedies which exist only in the private, only as people. How can you come into a court as a fiction and get a remedy or a right? You can't. <clears throat> and as I, the, the, the thing is, though, and I won't lie to you, it's tricky. 
There's a lot you have to learn as you go down this path. <clears throat> Those of you that are familiar with scriptures, you know a story of uh, Christ. <clears throat> a very wealthy man came to him <clears throat> and said, Lord, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? <clears throat> And the Lord told him, he says, you know the scriptures, it says, you know, follow the commandments. He said, I've done this since I've been a little boy. <clears throat> one, of, one of the things I do is I have a separate class altogether where I talk about spiritual principles because as I mentioned earlier with the story of Adam and Eve, you cannot understand what's transpiring in this political governmental arena without knowing the spiritual side of this because they're doing everything in the image and likeness of Scripture. Jack said this for 20-plus years, if you've been listening to anything he said. It's a fact, and I know it. And so the Lord, and so he says, I've done this since I was a little boy, he tells the Lord. He says, well, there's only one, see, uh, uh, and this is why I bring this up. A being such as that, as Yahshua, the Christ, is really impossible for us to comprehend or fathom just how magnificent he is. <clears throat> See, a being like this can look straight into your soul. He knows the innermost thoughts of your being, and I explain all this in my classes, how he's able to do that. But it says the Lord looked and discerned, and he, he looked into this young man's heart, and he said, you only have one thing you lack. Go and sell all you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. <clears throat> See, he had pride of his money of his wealth. And it says in the scriptures, and this was a man of great wealth, and hearing those words from the Lord, he was saddened and he left. <clears throat> and I submit to you that the price for spiritual freedom and the price for earthly freedom are not free. They're not free. But, for those of you who think it should be, you can go ahead and hang up the phone right now. Because uh, it isn't. It's just the way it is. I didn't make it that way. And nobody on this call works for free at their trade. Nobody. <clears throat> funny but along those same lines I came home in preparation for the call I've been out studying and researching all day and I took a few minutes and as I laid down in my bed resting <sighs> lo and behold I opened up a story of my teacher my spiritual teacher and he said, it's a very short story. 
I'm reminded, this is him speaking, I'm reminded of a story which happened in the time of a great saint called Ramananda. Because he used to give special beads to his disciples and ask them to wear the beads. And he also imparted a mantra. If you know anything about yoga, which I've been studying for quite some time, a mantra is a, is a group of words which helps uh, unlock your knowledge of yourself, your inner self as spirit. And he gave it to them with the instruction that they were to keep re repeating this mantra all the time. He said that if they wore the beads and repeated the mantra, they would go to heaven. Kind of what I'm telling you tonight. Heaven on earth, the promised land. All the followers came to be in his presence every day. They all wore the beads and they repeated the mantra. There was only one who removed the beads and put them away. And so one day Ramananda noticed him not wearing the beads, and he called him and he said, he asked, where are your beads? And the disciple says, well, I, I, I took them off, and they're lying safe in a box of mine at home. Ramananda asked, do you repeat the mantra that I gave you? And the disciple said, no, that mantra is lying secure in my notebook. And Ramananda said, well, why is that so? <laughs> this is what the disciple said. You said that by wearing those beads and by repeating the mantra given by you, one would go to heaven. But I'm afraid of going to heaven. I'm afraid of leaving this world. Will I, all, will I meet all these people there? Will they be able to go with me too? And my teacher says, this is exactly what happens here when we repeat the mantra and we recite the mantra. <laughs> you see... <laughs> Freedom comes at a great price. <clears throat> I can tell you, if you join this class when we get to the end, you will realize the culmination of two men's lives, Jack and myself, our study, our research, you will realize and you will become a true master. And you will access all the rights and remedies that are available to the people. And you will take complete and total control over your life. And that's the only purpose for doing this. Why else are we doing this? To get to heaven. And the redemption thing, that is what I just explained to you. That's all we're doing. We're not doing anything else. That's the only purpose of this class. And so as a result, uh, I have, well, there should be, are uh, any of my students on right now? Because I know a couple wanted to, I wanted you to hear from a couple of them of what we've been studying and I know a couple were supposed to sign in tonight. 
um, and share with us. Is anyone on? I'm Hania. Shauna. Okay, Shona, hi. How are you, dear? Good, good. Good to be here. Great, great to have you on. <clears throat> so Shona is one of the ladies in my class, and um, what I'm going to do is uh, just ask her a couple of questions. If anyone is on the text and they want to text me the questions, I'll be happy to ask them or ask Shona. Uh, your questions, but just generally without going into a lot of detail about exactly what it is we're studying, because I'll go into that later. Can okay. you just tell Can you just tell the listeners on the call, in your own words, what the class has meant to you thus far? <clears throat> okay, I would sum it up in two words from Socrates, and that is, "Know thyself." And, uh, and, and in order to know thyself, you have to know what you're not. And so this class, you know, I, I have um, been studying this kind of thing for a couple of years and listening to different teachers, but I really was looking for a foundational class that can say, all right, look, this is the place to start with this. And so this class has given that to me, and it is uh, it's like deprogramming from a cult. And so, uh, uh, gosh, and, and, and what has been incredibly valuable about this class is the participation. And I have not been able to participate for the first few months, but I listen to the recordings. I burn them on CDs. I listen to them in my cars. And, and it's just this constant repetition of this incredible uh, information. And right now we are, uh, all of us, the class, and I'm participating, doing practicing scenarios of what it's like to go to court, to be in court, what it's like to go through the in-processing uh, piece, what it's like to be pulled over, you know, and how to handle yourself. And I did not have this information before. And I went to court myself once and tried to, you know, sort of do this kind of thing, and I failed miserably. <laughs> and so it was just a traffic deal. But, you know, this is, invaluable and also as I said it gives you a foundation uh, Neo is a very clear teacher he's an absolutely excellent teacher and he's also very compassionate because you know I'm a little slow in the uptake at times and I know maybe ever so often someone else is as well you know and he's very patient but at the same time firm and expects us to, you know, do the reading and, you know, watch, you know, whatever the assignments are, of course. Otherwise, why are we doing this class? But it is invaluable, and, um, and uh, I kind of don't want it to end. <laughs> so there you are. <laughs> okay. You said you kind of feel like you're what? I said I kind of don't want it to end the class. It's so incredibly informative, and okay. uh, yeah, and it's such, I mean, it's such rich uh, territory to explore, of course, you know, I mean, you've been at this for a number of years, as has Jack, who I have the utmost respect for, uh, so yeah. Okay, and have you, let me ask you, so you've been, how long have you been studying uh, in the redemption movement, Shona, because I know you have a spiritual background 
and I've kind of addressed that. We'll get to that in a minute. But how long have you been studying the redemption? Uh, uh, for less than less than uh, two years, and uh, you know, following um, some of uh, Jack and listening to Gordon on the Creditors and Commerce. Um, you know, the Spaniard, there's this guy out of England who talks on YouTube, uh, Spencer Barkley. I mean, there are some people out there who they're bringing through some, I think, you know, very, very valuable information. But at the same time, I felt lost. Like, this is overwhelming. It's overwhelming, and there's a lot to sift through. And as you spoke of, you know, there's, you can spend a lot of time on one thing and realize it's a dead end. So... Uh, I feel like I'm uh, on a very clarified path now in terms of, you know, um, not that, uh, and, and also I will tell you, well, Neo is very clear to say, look, this is not like a, you know, here's the formula and you went, you know, it's, it's a lot of work on your part in terms of study and, and listening and um, uh, participating. Uh, but uh, I, I mean, I'm getting so much, so much out of this class. I'm very excited because, you know, I have, I want to correct my status ultimately. And, uh, and I'm, my person is a Canadian citizen with a permanent resident card here and adopted, you know, so I'm like, God, how do I do any of this stuff, you know, with all of that going on on top of it? And so I feel like I have found my way to um, the right source. Okay, thank you for that, Shona. Uh, are any of my other students on? I know several of them wanted to be on the call, but I don't. Uh, I'm not able to see. Uh, Neo, this is Kim. Yeah. Hey, hi. Hey, hello. So Kim is one of the other ladies in the class. Uh, I've actually watched her and Shona, as I've watched everyone, really grow. And what, like Shona was just saying, what we're doing is right now, and, and my personal take on this thing is the biggest deficiency uh, in the movement is people do not know how to handle one-on-one -on -one conversations, whether it's with a cop, an IRS agent, a judge, whatever. We don't know how to handle it because, number one, we, is the biggest thing is we think they have some authority over us, and so there's this fear factor. And then number two, we don't understand the language they're talking. So I've watched Kim grow tremendously in this class. And I'm like, I'm really proud of her and Shona very much because <clears throat> the ladies, I feel like, um, you know, have, a, have an issue where there's just a little bit different of a challenge. I'm not going to say more of a challenge. So anyway, I'm just very proud of Kim and Shona, and I'm happy that, Kim, you showed up on the call. Could you tell in your own words, Kim, what the class has meant to you thus far? Well, um, personally, I think it's just a great way to get deprogrammed from what, you know, the culture has programmed us in, to feed into the system. 
and these role-playing scenarios have been especially beneficial um, because um, it just gives you experience to um, find out what are the tricks that they use against you and, you know, to trick you into consenting or to trick you into being the trustee where I wouldn't have, I would, it, you know, I'd, I don't. I didn't know how they do that, and um, so to actually go through these conversations with these scenarios, these role-playing scenarios, really, really is a fast way to learn. And also the uh, the big picture of combining the spiritual and physical, how both of them are basically, you know, the same kind of deal, has been really really eye-opening, um, not only just Christianity, but just with uh, uh, many of the other um, spiritual texts in history. So I would just say, you know, it, learning how to deal with the agents is really interesting to me. Um, I'm just um, really interested in learning how to do that because, like you said, they, the judges do go to training to learn how to deal with us, so why why shouldn't we learn this stuff too? So that's mainly the big things I really like about the class. All of the live role playing uh, with Jack and Neil is really especially good. Would you say the class is challenging? Yeah, it is. I mean, um, you know, the just going through the all the scenarios that could come up and working through in your mind how you're supposed to deal with that takes a lot of um, energy and thought, and you you really have to do a lot of personal introspection to figure out, you know, it's studying, you know, it's um, um, figuring out what's going on and then, um, you know, all of, and uh, uh, the other thing I forgot to mention was the spiritual practices, the remembering techniques all tie in with that too, helped it all along. So it's very challenging. It's not always... Um, <laughs> It's not uh, something you look forward to. I mean, it's like not comfortable to go through a scenario with a judge or anything. But it, in in my eyes, it's like uh, it has to be done because um, if you really want to figure this out, um, you know, it's, it, most of us have to go through this at one point or the other. Might as well learn it right now. And figure out what the what the game is. It's it's all, it, and that's another thing. It's like learning the rules of the game and practicing the game. Um, and it, it really, um, at first, it seems to be kind of a hard and complicated game. But it's challenging because it is hard and complicated, and it's intriguing. You know, all of that. So yeah just uh, really the kind of class I really like. (laughs) 
Okay, and before we finish, Jack, I'd like if you would please kind of share, and I know we've had calls and you've uh, told me how much you're enjoying the calls. If you could kind of just tell everyone what your take is and what we've covered so far, what we're covering and where you see us going and, you know, what you think about the class thus far. Yeah, you know, I am kind of like a co-chair, but I am also like one of the students here, too, because you're always learning. And even as the two girls said, you know, one of the things that Neo has done in the way he's teaching in this course, which is quite a bit different than the way a lot of the Patriots uh, gurus teach, um, started out with the two main rules. Nothing is as it appears. You think you know what's going on, you don't. And the second big rule is everything is a test. And in reality, if you're striving to learn who you are and you desire to be free, there's going to be a test that you're going to have to pass in order that you're recognized to be competent in that area. And then the powers that be in this so-called government are going to change their computer records with respect to you and acknowledge that you've got a change in who you are. And so in what the girls were talking about, we have been doing role-playing from like an oral test position. In other words, if you have to talk to a public official, how do you talk to him in order to convince them that you're passing the test of competency that you have to show in order to acquire the fact that they're going to accept that you are allowed this liberty and freedom based on your competence. In every role in life that we play, there's usually two tests. First, there's a paperwork test. And if you pass the paperwork test, then there is an oral exam that goes with it. You can see that in colleges when it comes to thesis. You can see that when you're applying for a job with a business or a corporation. Your paperwork is going to be your resume that you're going to submit, which is going to, if it's successful, be a calling card to get you into a door so that they will be able to grant you an oral exam, which is an interview. And it's only upon passing that oral exam that your written paperwork is going to have achieved the goal of getting you the objective that you're looking for. Most patriot gurus want to teach from the paperwork and say, well, this is the silver bullet document here, which is going to get you what you're looking for. And very seldom do those teachers ever spend any time with you trying to show you how important the role-playing oral exam is going to be. What are the rules in this oral exam? What can you say? What can you not say? When do you say it? To whom do you say it? These are all things that are very critical, and most teachers never get in to the oral exam side of how you deal with the people that are going to grant you your remedy. And it's that area which is more critical than the paperwork, because you could have the best paperwork in the world, and if you can't pass the oral exam, because you don't even know what the paperwork means, 
you're not going to get a remedy. Well, what Neo is doing is he's turning this around backwards, and there have been a couple of people in the class saying, well, when are we going to get to the paperwork? What are we going to file? And the answer to that riddle is, if you don't know how to pass the oral exam, when you find out what's going on the paperwork, why are you worried about putting the paperwork in yet? Because you find out that most people that are looking for a remedy try to find a piece of paperwork that they think is going to give them success. And then they put the paperwork in the court or file the paperwork in a county recorder's office or a secretary of state's office. And then all of a sudden they get a knock on the door and there's a couple of people there in suits and ties. And they're looking pretty awesome and they seem to have a lot of power. And they're mentioning things like, you're going to come down and talk to us and if you don't satisfy us, uh, we're going to have an indictment or a warrant or whatever. And that just about scares the crap out of you, but you don't know how to deal with those people. So what Neil is doing is, let's role play, let's show you the rules of how you deal with these people. And there are seven basic rules that we have given to the students for this role interplay. And believe me, we've been at it for several different weeks, hot and heavy, and they are catching on as they go along. But if they screw up, it's because they're forgetting one or more of these seven rules. The seven rules never change if you can commit them to memory and then understand how these seven rules are interplay in your discussion discussion with the public officials to achieve the end result, which is your liberty and freedom, you're going to do okay. After you master the ability to pass an oral exam on whatever the material is going to be, then Neo is going to introduce the material so that you understand it and that material will require some public filing notices of various types. But at least by time that happens, you will be able to talk with public officials and to be able to do the correct procedure to show these public officials that you know who you are, you know who they are, you understand your paperwork, and they're not going to talk you out of your paperwork. It does you no good at all spending years creating nothing more than your business resume. You're spending all the time creating this fantastic resume. It's dolled up. It looks beautiful. It's in color. It's characterized. It's unique. Man, they're going to love it. And then you get into the oral interview and you're all tongue-tied, you don't know what to say, you don't know what to present and how to present it, your resume and your paperwork isn't going to win the day for you. And so Neil is doing this correctly. Now, where are we going? Like he has already indicated to you in this first hour, in this presentation, he is showing you who you are, who you are not, you are not, that straw man. You are not that birth certificate fictitious name. That's who you've been led to believe you are, but that is not you.
He's already introduced to you that there's two worlds out there. One's called public and one is called private. He introduced to you the fact that the founding fathers that created these founding documents for the United States of America that has created a nation which is so unique in all of the world. There has never been documents like that that have created a nation on planet Earth. And yet the gentlemen that put this together were all hunted down and they were eventually murdered. Their families were taken from them. Their possessions were taken from them. And the answer is, why did that happen? Certainly there have been people that have exercised the concept of liberty and freedom. Not everybody that has lived on planet Earth has been a slave. We know that there is unique wealthy people. There is elite people. And they seem to enjoy a sense of freedom and liberty. Why do they have it and most of us do not? There is a key word that has not even basically been introduced to our students yet, but it's coming shortly. And it's critical because it describes so much of the next phase that these students are going to go through. And the word is called co-mingle. And the word co-mingle means, and you've probably heard it before, you know, if you're involved in any kind of business and you run more than one business, everybody has kind of told you that if you've got two businesses and you have checking accounts for each one, you should not write checks out of business A for business B, etc., because you're co-mingling funds. And in terms of any kind of accounting, that could create problems because it might suggest that both of these businesses are not legally separate for purposes of security, etc. And it may just mean that by commingling the funds that now there is no legal separation in these businesses. And if one gets sued, they could probably sue the second one as though it's a partner of the first one. And so everybody says, well, don't co-mingle in this world of keeping accounting books. Neil has already told you that there's a private side of this law. There is a public side of this law. And we cannot co-mingle those. If we do, that is a violation. And what you see happen in all of history is whenever you've had a historic leader who has tried to bring into the public your private knowledge and private remedies, he is commingling these two worlds. And in the background, there are powers that be that are looking over your shoulder and going, you're not supposed to be doing that. For instance, the Constitution of the United States of America is not a document in the public that is recognized in law. Go into a court, any of the public courts today, and they will tell you we do not want you to bring that Constitution into our court. And Neo has already told you that you have no constitutional rights or remedies in the public. 
That's because that document introduced private law into a government which for most nations of the world has been prosecuting public law. And it was because the founding fathers commingled private and public in order to create a nation in which everyone had rights, whether they understood them or not. You just had them because we're introducing the private as though it was the public. There were powerful people in this world that said, you can't co-mingle private and public, and the penalty for doing that is death. At the start of the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln said, we are not going to allow the public banks to finance this war and make profits off of the suffering of the people. We are going to use the power of government to issue our own currency, which was private, because he commingled the private concept of money into the public government, there was the commission of the sin of commingling, and that brought about his assassination. Same thing was true for Kennedy in 1960s when he signed an executive order allowing the U.S. Treasury to produce private notes. It was commingling the powers of private and public. You, if you know and find out who you are, and you operate in the correct status of the private, can create your own money, or that to be used as a money. But that's not where you start out, because we have... Many individuals out there right now, including Gordon, and including his other friend, too, and his son that were charged criminally in a federal court in Arizona because they attempted to create private money when they had not the status shown on the record in order to discharge public debts and right now there are many other prosecutors and many other government officials looking at patriots who are trying to create private money to discharge public debts in the capacity of co-mingling these affairs and not keeping them separate. You have to understand who you are. You have to understand who they are you will find out that there are two levels of citizenship in this country. We're not going to get into it tonight. It's going to be part of what it is that Neo's teaching, but it's not the first thing he's teaching. The first thing he needs to teach you is when you learn to do it right and you get challenged for an oral test, do you have the knowledge and the understanding of the rules to pass that test when you understand the substance of the issues going on in the background, which is the second thing you'll learn, not the first thing you will learn. So you have two levels of citizenship. You have basically two governments. 
You have two things that function as money. And lastly, there's two laws. One law is called law, and the other law is called equity. Now, it used to be back in the beginning when everything with the founding fathers was proper. That law was the substance, and equity was the shadow. Today, it's just the opposite because of the emergency. The law is merely a shadow. You're going to learn that the law doesn't apply to you when you've got the correct status. But that's coming down the road. That's not the first thing. You will find out that equity that was supposed to be the shadow is now the substance. You will find out that there's two types of courts, law courts and equity courts. Most of the patriots are looking for law courts, like common law courts, and et cetera, et cetera. Well, if you went to the scripture and you're trying to get forgiveness of sin, would you want to be under the law? Or would you want to be under equity? Because the law condemns. But the reason it condemns is because you can't do the law or shouldn't do the law. And because you can't do the law, you've got to get your remedy through equity, which means that another party is going to set off your debt in your behalf so that you have the forgiveness of law without performing the law. Today, the law side of courts are statutory law making you subject to the legislature of the District of Columbia, which means you're under congressional law. But if you were born in any one of the states, you're not supposed to be under the law of the District of Columbia or Congress at all. You're supposed to be under God's natural law in the republic states. And so if you're in the law courts today, you're our U.S. citizen enemy of the United States, and you have no remedy. Just like in Scripture, you have no remedy for forgiveness of sins unless you go through a third party, the Son of God. Today, you need to go through the third party, and the third party is going to be your living man, who is going to have the capacity, as Neo teaches you, to access what you need to do to set off the debts for the statutory creation so that you're not subject to the law. You are above the law to the extent that equity is going to give you a remedy as long as you are doing equitable things. And those equitable things is to love your brother and love everybody else because you're going to find out that this government is here only to test you to see if you know who you are. And if you truly know who you are and you are an honorable party that understands who you are, and understands who they are, and you can pass the written test, and you can pass the oral test, they will allow you to exist privately in this society, and you can flourish in that existence, 
and you will not be subject to the Licenses Act, not be subject to the taxing the way they are taxing, not be subject to the Army statutes passed by Congress, and you will have the liberty and freedom that you have been searching for. But that does not come automatically. The first thing you need to understand is you've got to learn who you are. You've got to learn these rules of interaction. You've got to love your brother instead of hate all these government officials you think are against you. The only reason they're against you is because you have displayed such tremendous levels of incompetence in not knowing who you are and what you're supposed to do, that they've got to protect you like you're an insane inmate of some kind of a mental hospital. And as soon as you can wake up and start learning to do it right and get the correct attitude and learn some basic concepts, you're going to come out okay. Thank you, Jack. I appreciate that. That is, you know, telling it in a nutshell, I did see one of my other students just showed up, and I was going to ask him to just, Frank, you're there? Yes, I am. Hi, thank you, and welcome, and thank you for being on the call. <clears throat> um, Jack's been sharing for for a few few minutes you know, his take on the call, what we're doing. And I was wondering if in a couple of minutes you could share what the calls have meant to you. Now, I know you've been on the, <laughs> I know you've been on the spiritual calls that I do on Wednesdays also, but <clears throat> kind of really just focusing tonight. And if you want to tell a little bit about that, that's fine. But what the calls on the redemption have meant to you, what you've learned, Without going into detail about what we've studied, you can, you know, talk about it a little bit. But just what has it meant to you, and what what have you learned so far? Well, um, actually, you know, I, I as you know, I, I study a lot of different things, and um, and for me, it all started with the spiritual, and it led to this. I don't even know how I got involved in this. Uh, redemption thing other than the fact that it's just a natural progression of um, freedom and uh, liberation, you know, different labels that we use for um, different things of uh, self-governance. And I've always been of the opinion that um, when I do the right thing, when I operate within uh, right principles, then um, there's a certain <laughs> um, energy that that covers that and and um, uh, not only allows it but also reveals itself uh, to you. And so, in Neo's explanation of these things, the things that I've understood only make more sense. They only become more clear. There's a deeper understanding. Um, and, you know, that's, um, for me, that's that when, when you quit learning, you're dead. And, uh, and so, <laughs> you know, being the age that I am, um, 
uh, I just want to keep going. You know, I've, I've listened to Jack for years and years, uh, uh, good friends of uh, Gordon and a lot of other people. But Neil just takes it to a total different level. But uh, if you guys make a choice to uh, get involved in this, then uh, the scriptures will be more clear, whether you listen to the Bible, the Kabbalah, the, the Vedas, the uh, you, you, <laughs> you can go on and on, and, 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 and you can use any, any uh, uh, wisdom text, and it will just become clearer. And for me, it's been nothing but aha, 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 aha. And so I'm, I'm very grateful. He's a prick sometimes. He really tests you tough, but because he loves you. And he wants you to succeed. And he wants you to, you know, it, it, it goes like this. I had a great friend of mine that said, your mind is like a parachute. It only works when it's open. And uh, if you come to this thing with an open mind and you just check your beliefs at the door, you can pick them up when the call's over and uh, and make a choice from there. So I'm, uh, <laughs> I like this guy. Uh, uh, he's funny. He's knowledgeable. He's spiritual. I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> if it wasn't, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> It, it, in all ways, it's, you know, it's a great way to spend your time. Um, you know, a lot of us uh, have children or uh, offspring, uh, loved ones. And, um, you know, as we become aware, then we can uh, sort of undo the programming, start doing it right, be in honor. And, uh, and I think we can create... Uh, a really, really kick-ass world. That's all I got to say. Thank you, Frank. I really appreciate that. So, well, as you can tell, my students are uh, enjoying the class. They're, I'm beginning to see light bulbs go on. I'm beginning to see them develop a certain level of competence, and we still have a ways to go, but that's okay. It's part of the learning process. If you know anything about uh, higher levels of learning, college and universities, you know that's, that's what it's all about. That's what we're doing. This is the university of redemption. This is a university of freedom. When you finish here, you will master and be the master of your own life in every way possible. That's my ultimate goal. My ultimate goal, as I've always told the class, is to make you all masters in your own right and on your own feet. So uh, before I go, I always like to open up and let anybody ask me. You know, I'll take a few questions if anybody has questions about the class. One, one other thing. What I've done is... On the financial side of this, uh, what we call appreciation, and you will understand what that means when you take the class, because the first book we're going to read is together is the uh, Busting Loose from the Money Game, where if you think of, if all money was taken out of the world today, what do you have? Well, when you go in and you purchase a meal, let's say at a restaurant, if there was no money to pay, what, what do you tell the waiter at the end? Thank you. 
Thank you for what? His service. So we call that appreciation. That's a way of expressing appreciation. So the way we express appreciation in the class is by Federal Reserve notes. And what I've done is I've taken, essentially, if you were to go to a seminar today, the average entrance fee is about $350. If you had to fly to get to the seminar, depending on where you're at, a round-trip ticket might be another $350. You might spend another 350 on the hotel room for a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So so far we're up to nine, oh, ten, ten fifty, and then uh, with transportation and food and accessories, blah blah blah. Let's say it's twelve to fifteen hundred dollars total. Parking your car at the airport, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So what I've done is I've taken essentially that price. And I've broken it down to about $150 a month appreciation. If you want to take the spiritual class, I ask for $50 per month for that. And uh, basically, the class runs 9 to 12 months, depending on how fast we get through everything. And so what I've done is I've taken away any issues people might have about cost of this class because I make it very affordable and I do it instead of having to come up with all the money at once as you know if you go to one of these seminars you can't pay it monthly you got to pay it all at once you know you got to pay for your ticket and your hotel and the class and the seminar and all your other stuff all at the same time so I've taken that away and I've made this as affordable as I can whilst making it worth everyone's time and my time to do it so before I go on, I'll open the call up and I'll let anybody ask me, you know, I'll take a few questions, I'll let anyone ask any questions they would like. So the floor is yours, ladies and gentlemen. You know, before you do that, Neil, you might also explain to him that we're not just talking on these classes. You are providing a lot of supplementary material, which is downloaded to the students. We do a lot of discussions, some on case law, some on writings, these kind of things. And uh, this material is available for the student, too. So he's getting things. Not only that, as the class goes on, the class is being recorded, and the student is able to access these recordings to go over each lesson time and time again. But it is emphasized to the student that this is for his learning, and it's not the kind of thing that he's going to share and put out there to everyone else because without them being at the class and learning everything that's going on, certainly the material in and of itself and even the recordings in and of itself, when they haven't got this ability to interplay, is probably not doing the other party any great service. You need to be taking this one-on-one, -on -one because if you can't participate in this role-playing and you don't get that kind of activity experience out of it, you're not really learning what you need to be learning to be able to function at the level of a master. Yeah, that's that's correct, and I cover all this. Uh, we we enter into a trust agreement when we start this class, and I will just say that entering into a trust agreement with me is a wonderful thing if we all stay in honor, and it's a very dangerous thing if we don't. <laughs> because I know how to enforce my trust law in equity. So anyway, 
With that having been said, uh, is there anyone who oh, has okay. any questions? I'm more than happy to answer any questions. Anybody? Mm-hmm. Yes, go ahead. Did someone say yes, they had a question? Okay. Hi, well, Neil. I'm I'm a new student tonight, uh, planning to join uh, Jack and uh, Emil and Caleb have been encouraging me, and I haven't been feeling too well, but I feel really good after this class tonight. I just have sat here and tried to soak up like a sponge. Uh, my question is, do you have a syllabus that goes along with your class? I have something that I could send you. It's not what I call really a syllabus. Uh, it's an overview of what we're going to, to what I'm going to teach. Uh, so, you know, just depending on what your definition is, but I do have some information I could send you. Everyone can, anyone who wants to send me an email can send me an email at D-O-Z-E-R, like a bulldozer, dozer, and then the letter N like November, <clears throat> and then switch. So these are two of the people from the Matrix, and you'll understand the Matrix movie in a way you've never understood it before if you participate in my class, because these Wachowski brothers are telling you more than you could possibly ever realize. And I just had a recent re revelation that I shared with the class on the movie that I bet even Jack had never really seen it quite that way. So it's two of the people, Dozer, the letter N, switch at yahoo.com. And I'm happy to send you over information about what's going to be covered in the class. And what was your name again, ma'am? I'm Nadia. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Nadia. Anyone else? Going once, going twice, going three times. Okay, then I'm going to assume everyone uh, basically had all their questions answered. I want to thank my students who showed up tonight. For the nice things you've had to say about the class, I appreciate that very much. And uh, Jack, I'll turn it over to you for closing us out. Okay, I really appreciate you being on tonight. Uh, just to let everybody know, you currently have a class going, and like you've said, we've been at it for about three to four months. Uh, everybody's progressing very nicely. What your main reason for being on this evening is, is to let people know that you're going to start a second class which will be coming along behind the first class that you have been doing. And so anybody that is at all interested in learning these concepts, you're not going to be behind because Neil is going to start you in a separate group, uh, separate from the first group, and you need to get in touch with him and let him know if you're at all interested in doing this. And like Neil has suggested, the ultimate goal is to go to quote the promised land. And the promised land is basically in a condition in which you changed your status from being a U.S. citizen subject slave to the law.
laws of the District of Columbia being treated in the capacity of an enemy of the United States of America as you were declared to be by the presidential executive order in 1933 that FDR came out with, making you subject to all of these military statutes that come out of Congress, and it's changing your status over so that you are basically going to be a private American to the point where you're no longer subject to that District of Columbia statutory authority, but you're going to have to demonstrate competence in who you are, who they are. You cannot act in the capacity of an enemy of the United States of America. You must also know that there is a difference between private and public because as you change this status, you have to move your life activities and actions which used to be in commerce now into the private side, which is going to dictate to you a different way of living, but certainly one which will be more fruitful for you when you understand how to do that. You will then have knowledge of standing to be able to deal with the public servants in such a way that you're not making an enemy of them, but at the same time, you will be able to protect your unalienable rights, which includes things like the right to travel freely on the highways without the license, which is governing and restricting your activities under the martial law military statutes. You will know the form of procedure so that if you are called before the public servants, you will not only know how to orally talk to these people to pass the test, but you will have established written credentials and notices that have been properly filed in public records so that you can sustain your status. And so all of these things are involved in this training session. This will not be for everyone. You will have to study hard to understand what it is that you need to do to pass these tests and sustain that position. But if you have been looking for liberty, you want to conduct yourself with competence and responsibility. You need to sign up on this because what you're going to be taught is going to be so much better and so much uh, more advanced than what most every so-called patriot has got out there. And so I think we're going to wind it up for tonight. If you have anything else to say, Neil, why don't you put in a couple of parting words? And once again, I thank you for being on. Thank you, Jack. I just noticed that I think one of my students, Steve, are you on, Steve? Nope. Okay. I thought he was on. I was going to have to say a couple of words maybe about what he's... Uh... Oh, sure, though. Steve? Norman. Norm. Yeah, absolutely. The most fun and informational class I've ever had. I've got eight years of college, and this is just... It tops everything that I've ever experienced in my life. I look so forward to each of the calls. 
and, and some some of the calls that the information is so so deep, and I absolutely love it. And uh, the spirituals has saved our relationship, and uh, we just absolutely love this class. And I'd recommend anyone wanting to know who they are and where they want to go to join this class. Okay, Norm. Well, thank you very much. And with that, I will go ahead and close out tonight with the words of my spiritual master, with great love and with great respect, I welcome you all with all my heart. Good night. And good night to the Monday night class, too. We will see you, God willing, next week. Okay. Yeah, they could have been nice. They might be having a class after class. Oh, you sick, huh? Well, Scarlett just said, did you say goodnight? <laughs> oh, now we're having the real thing? Now it's the real class. <laughs> that was great, Neil. That was, uh, I like that. All right. What's going on here, Mike? Yeah, your, your court situations are, are pretty phenomenal. As, uh, I've been in front of a judge a few times, and the only other time I've ever felt like your phone calls with you and Jack going at me. Okay. Well, the thing I was sharing, if it, let's see, I don't know if anyone's, let's see here, i got to log back in here. Um, <clears throat> the issues, you know, like I was saying, how much the drama that Neo had to go through to get into private in that second movie to get to the architect. Remember, he had to get the key maker, and then they went on that huge chase, and then they, you know, had to fight with the Merovingian to get him, and Keymaker tells him, oh, by the way, you can only put this lock in the door, this key in the lock at a certain time, and all the electricity has to be off. And they go through all this drama to get to the to get to the architect, who then tells Neo what? There's an A and there's a B door. <laughs> Neo says, no, there's not. There's also a C. The guy says, what are you talking about? He said, um, he made the C, didn't he? Yeah. He created the C. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.